Good morning, New Life. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Yeah, I think there's... So let me just take a second. There's probably something going on inside of you that you felt a little bit earlier when we were in worship, and I felt like last week, actually, the corner turned a little bit. So that thing you're feeling in you is life. <laughs> it is something that we have been striving for a year to come back and find, but it seemed like last week, boom, that corner turned, and there is life that is coming here. I just want to say a couple things. Many of you don't get to see it, but there is, so the worship team is full, if you saw that up here on stage, but there are even, so there are even more behind the scenes that are, that Glenn is working with, trying to raise up that team. There are people that, the, the teaching team for the for the kids, things are going on here. If you want to preach, come and talk to John and see how you might get to be a part of the teaching team. Where are your gifts calling you out? Where is life calling you forth that you want to do something for Jesus? That's what's going on here. And I just want to share the, the goodness of God that we've been talking about, the goodness of God to bring Mark. But I want to say that the goodness of God that happened in my life saved me. And I went down to the mission and I met Phil. And I worked with Phil for a little while and Phil saw the goodness of God. And then he reached out to Mark, and Mark found the goodness of God. And Mark is here giving his gifts of the goodness of God out to us. This is the kingdom of God moving within our hearts and in ourselves. Okay? More of it's going to happen. So I just want to prepare you all for that. More people are going to come in those doors. And what we've been studying the last couple of weeks is about the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God in the last two weeks Last week, we started with the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to finish it up this week. But what I want to start with is that I feel like the Lord, with the Lord's Prayer, what he did was he didn't just give us words in a book. He gave us a bazooka against the power of the enemy, right? And the, why, is it, why is it a bazooka? Well, because my church experience didn't start until I was 25 or 30 years old okay, in church, a Methodist church, where they do recite the Lord's Prayer every Sunday as part of their liturgy. Well, I had to think back, and I went, how did I know the prayer when I went into church, because I'd never been in church before. Well, what had happened was, is when I played junior high football, I had a football coach. He's a dear man to me, because he actually tried to help save my dad's life when, when my dad passed away after my football game. But at the beginning of every football game, or before we, after we'd do warm-up, before we'd break and go, in, go to the sideline, the coach would have us sit down, and we'd pray the Lord's Prayer. We'd pray it after every practice, and after or before every game and at the end of every game. I remember him telling me, I'm probably going to get fired for this, but until I do, I'm going to be praying this every day with you guys. Okay? And he, I, don't, I can't tell you that he was a religious man or what, but that prayer stuck with me. Okay? For all 15, 20 years that it stuck with me until I made it to my church experience where then it began, began to come alive in me. I remember my father dying and me saying, there has to be a God because I'm going to see him later. I attribute this to the fact that that prayer was ingrained in my head since I started playing football at seventh grade. So that at the last game where I had to pray that prayer, my dad would die. But this prayer as a bazooka is what helped me get through these other years. So let me, I'm going to explain how it becomes a bazooka, right? So over the last several weeks, we've been doing a series called Kingdom, where we've been learning about the kingdom of God. Here at New Life, our mission is to advance the kingdom of God in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, and the world. As such, we've decided to take some time to focus on what the kingdom of God really is, right? And one of those major realities that we've had to struggle with is that the kingdom is here, but also not yet here, right? 
We, we, we have the promise of life, of fullness, of joy, of love, of eternal life, while we still live with suffering, pain, death, and disappointment. Last week, Pastor John started the conclusion of our series, part one of the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, as we've begun to start calling it. And this prayer lives in the tension of the kingdom being here and not yet. And it gives us a template, a template by which to pray in order to see the advancement of God's kingdom. Most importantly, this prayer is meant to grow with you as you mature as a disciple. At first, it would start out rote, and then it will move into the movements that we'll talk about. Six beautiful movements that help us pray the kingdom of God to advance in ourselves, but more importantly, in the world as a whole. Last week, we talked about the first three movements. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a piece of paper on the table. There's actually there's a couple of them there, but there's a piece of paper on the table. If you flip it over, there's a grid on the back, kind of a table. This will help break apart the movements. I'm going to be moving rather quickly, so you can follow along with that if at any point you get lost. And I call them movements because each piece gives us that opportunity to pause and allow the Spirit of God to take our prayers into places beyond what is simply written, right? So let us review a little bit from last week. So the first movement is our Father who is in heaven, yeah? As part of the movement, this particular part, if you were to pause here, you could take your time and just sit in worship, right? If you were in your prayer time and just our Father who is in heaven, just stop there and just, well, just remember. I want you to remember. That's the first thing I said. Remember, remember who God is, right? Our Father is the way it starts. So you don't even get into the prayer before you remember that you're a child, Right? So if you think you're not a child and you're like, God, I don't know what you'd start with our father. Oh, oops. I guess I am a son so let me, or a daughter. So let me pray from that place rather than thinking I'm not. Jesus was so beautiful when he gave us this in, in the second word, our father. Right? Reminding us who we are, more importantly, who he is. Right? And so this is a way that Jesus said, Abba, Daddy. Right? More than just father sitting on a throne far away. Right? Daddy that's close, that wants to, wants to hear you and know you and see you. The second movement, holy is your name, right? This movement, this movement can be used as a time of worship. So last week, John was talking about this kind of being confusing. Why do we need to make God's name holy, right? When we don't need to do that, but we're the representation of who God is, right? And so if people are looking at you, they're going to look at you to see, do you serve a holy God? Because I can't really tell by your life, or I can't tell by your words. I can't tell by what's going on. Now, that doesn't mean we need to be perfect, right? But this, if you holy is your name, to just sit and worship and to remember the otherness of God, right? God is holy. We are not. We have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. And this brings us into the first thing of our Father, right? So that to be able to sit and worship, just turn on what we did earlier today, and just to sit here in the goodness of God, and revel in his worship, in his name, right? His holiness, that it would change you. Worship changes you when you sit in the presence of God like that. The third movement being your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this movement is about what I would say intercession, right? If there's interceding, seeking to bring God's rule and reign where it doesn't already exist. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of God as our Um, our mission statement, right? So to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where are those places in your life, in your family, in the life around you where God's kingdom is not reigning? This is a place where you can pause. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
pause and pray into it. Pray for his kingdom to come. Intercede on someone's behalf that you can bring the kingdom where it isn't already. So these three movements focus more on us as God's children. I'm sorry, they, they focus our eyes up towards heaven, right? And they help us focus our priority where it should be, on God and on his will. The second three movements focus more on us as God is his children, right? The needs that we may have in our lives. And today we're going to finish out those three movements. But first I want to stop and say up until now, you know, I bet we've been looking at this prayer and we've been seeing it through the eyes and the lens of the individual. My contemplation with God, my worship of him, me praying for his kingdom to come. Despite the fact that the entire prayer is written in the plural and meant to be thought of in its corporate and collective setting. Right? He is our father. Not just my God, but yours too. Right? Which means we are family knitted together by the blood of Christ. Give us this day our daily bread. Not just God, give me what I need, but make sure you get taken care of as well. That brings us to the movement four of give us this day our daily bread. And it seems pretty self-explanatory. Most of us think about money when we think about God giving us our daily bread. But remember that Jesus was Jewish and he lived in a very deeply Jewish context. And much of what he teaches has a dip, deep and re rich meaning. Wow. The portion of the prayer reaches back, this portion of the prayer reaches back thousands of years to the time where the Israelites were set free from captivity and slavery. They're wandering in the desert and they ask God for God to bring them food and he brings them manna. But what he tells them is do not collect that manna. You don't get to store it up. Eat what you need to eat for today. Trust me that I'll bring it tomorrow. God, give us this day our daily bread. The concept of relying on the Lord daily for our portion here in our context is not something that we, it's really easy for us to grasp, right? In America, we're highly independent, overstimulated, oversaturated. So it's hard for us to understand what it means for us to be asking for daily bread. But what happens when we think about other aspects of God? How much do we think we want to pull the love of God from yesterday into today? Yesterday, I felt so amazing with God. If I could just have a little bit of what was yesterday, can I have that today, right? God, can I get a little bit more of your strength that I had yesterday, that today? Can I hold some of that over? Can I do whatever I need to kind of bring that into my suitcase and, and hold that to the next day? And God is saying here, no, I want to pour my mercies fresh every morning, right? Strength, renewal, love, bread, money, okay? day to day. There are people in our world right now that live this prayer daily. They're praying for their daily bread. They have no idea when their next meal is going to come, right? And so there's a reality that, that when Jesus gave this prayer, there were many that were living hand to mouth. They were struggling to find their food. So it gets lost on us a little bit today. But what is it from the Lord that you are needing daily from him? Mercy, yeah, love, grace, all these things to fill up. Do we ask him, Lord, I need this today. I need the fullness of this. Not what you gave me yesterday. Not I'm going to hold up a little bit. I need a whole new thing today. He gives us the opportunity to pray this. We move from self-reliance to dependence on God when we begin to pray for my daily bread every day. Right? But how do we get there if money simply isn't an issue? We find whatever it is that we feel that we're lacking in. 
Yeah, this is meant to be prayed every day in that sense. And as you start to pray for that love, you'll begin to understand what it means to pray for daily bread, to allow yourself to come free of the things that may have binded you in that. And it says, give us our daily bread, right? Have you sat and prayed when you've had your daily bread that you've looked out and to see does everybody else? In the Jewish context, when they were praying this prayer, if you were taken care of but your neighbor wasn't, then you weren't in good graces. It was meant that the whole community was served. Give us our daily bread. If you're fine, that's great. But if the community is suffering, we got a problem. And this was the context with with which Jesus gave us this prayer. That's why it's our Father. And for us, our daily bread here was that there was a meaning for us to look out and to see what is my community, how is my community doing? If I'm doing great, can I help somebody else do a little better, right? Looking at the community out there and to believe that God is going to give you your daily bread when you do give it away, right? So there's a trust factor, a dependence that begins to build. Movement five leads us towards the power of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And this is a powerful portion of the prayer, Actually, it all is, if it's a bazooka. But here's the crux of all that Jesus came to do, right? To reconcile us to the Father, to forgive our sins. Forgiveness is one of the most, if not the most, transformative elements in the kingdom of God. Not fantastic theology or well-scripted arguments, not facts or plainly stated realities. Forgiveness. When people experience the power of forgiveness, lives change. Period. That's the way God's kingdom works. But there is something interesting about the way this portion of the prayer is formulated. It is asking God to forgive us as we have forgiven others, which means we have to take the initiative and have already forgiven people. We don't, many of us skip over the second portion, wanting God to forgive our sins, and then maybe we'll get around to forgiving those that have sinned against us. Right? But Jesus is saying that we will only be forgiven to the measure at which we have forgiven others. Right? There was a, I was watching a, a YouTube video of these two guys doing a skit on the Lord's Prayer. And the guy wanted to, he's just simply praying his, his prayer. And every movement, the Lord would interrupt him. Right? Our Father, yes. No, no, I'm just trying to pray a prayer here. God, I'm, don't, don't bother me right now. Right? And he gets, gets all the way through, gets down to this particular part with forgiveness, like forgive us our sins and uh, as we forgive those who forgive us. And uh, before he finishes the prayer, the God goes, what about Bob? And he's like, oh, I knew you were going to bring up Bob, man. I, didn't, I don't want to forgive Bob. Like, <laughs> um, but it's the point is illustrated in this that we really want God to forgive us, but we have a really hard time forgiving others. But there is power in forgiveness, and I believe Jesus gave us this for that reason, because he knew the transformative power of forgiveness, and that we must move out to forgive before we're forgiven. This piece of the prayer also gives us an opportunity for repentance. You don't get to go to Jesus and ask for forgiveness if you're not going to repent of the places that you've been screwing up. So this is a time, again, in this movement where you can pause and say, Lord, I repent of these places. I repent of these things, and I ask that you forgive me. Lord, I repent of not being able to forgive somebody. Please lead me in forgiveness. The last movement, uh, movement six, is do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
So this movement is to help us focus on spiritual warfare. If you haven't noticed, we are in a battle. The interesting thing here is that Jesus is, is, telling, Jesus is telling us to pray that the Lord would not lead us into temptation. It's a little strange, and why would the Lord want to do that? Well, scholars and theologians have been discussing this for quite a while, so I'm going to let them keep on discussing it and trying to figure that out. Um, But to remember that Jesus was Jewish (laughs) and steeped in the customs of his culture and people. So the Jewish people had a story, right? We also have that same story where temptation got the better of a young couple at the top of their lives on the mountain of God, right? And they decided to eat the apple. Eat the apple. Eat the fruit. I love apples. Um, (laughs) We have another story of temptation with David, right? As David goes and sleeps with Bathsheba and kills Uriah. In a Jewish context, temptation was everywhere. Just simply waking up in the morning puts you in a place of being tempted to walk away from God. And imagine this. Imagine if God said to you, Cam, I need you to go out and do this. And you're like, God, I don't really want to do that. We've kind of said that a few times, many of us, right? Hey, will you go do this? And we're like, you know what, God, I'm not really sure I want to do that. That can be, that's a tempt towards disobedience, is it not? Right? Why would the Lord tempt you to that? Simply following the Lord and doing some of the things is going to put us in places where temptation arises. And so even though we struggle with, Lord, why keep me from temptation? There's a comma, and the rest of the sentence finishes. It says, but deliver me from evil. Right? It hinges on the back part. It says, Lord, do not lead me into temptation. It's a recognition that temptation is real. It is something we're going to deal with. However, Lord, deliver me from this temptation. Imagine if we sat and believed these prayers each morning when we prayed them, that my daily portion would come, that forgiveness would reign in repentance. My heart is clean as I step into the day. That I would ask the Lord not to lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil. What if he answered that prayer? Even if we took the time. So it's a movement to take here and pause a minute and move out and start praying for spiritual warfare. Where are some places where we need to be delivered from evil? Not necessarily. Remember, this is a communal prayer. Where are some other places where the community, the world, and our church need to be delivered from evil? Where are we being tempted to move into temptation as things begin to relax with COVID restrictions and go back. There's been a huge talk in the church world. Are we going to go back to what was normal when we believe God has done a disruption, right? Our temptation to go back to what was comfortable. This is what we can pray against, you know, during this time. There's so much to glean from this prayer. And this is why Jesus gave it to us. In this particular outline, like I said, I think it's a, it's a bazooka. It's meant to grow with you as a disciple. If you're learning, if you're teaching somebody how to pray, start here. Start here and have them memorize the prayer. I mean, it's weird when we think about memorize, but mem- if I didn't have that coach tell me what he told me, I wouldn't have it later on. It was something that came. I've heard stories down at the mission. I've heard stories of other people that they They're in the darkest hour. They have no idea what to do. And all of a sudden, that prayer comes up because they heard their grandmother pray it. Or they sat in church when they were young, and they heard it every day or every time they came on Sunday that it just got repeated, and it was in them. Teach people, teach yourself to recite this prayer and memorize it. And then from there, grow into the movements where you would pause, even to remind yourself, when have I interceded lately? When have I taken some time to worship God for his holy name? 
When have I remembered that I'm a son and a daughter and that God is daddy? Where have I prayed for others' bread? Where am I lacking in the daily things that I need from Jesus? How is forgiveness, unforgiveness destroying my life? Lord, lead me out of temptation and deliver me from evil. So those are the six movements of the Lord's Prayer. And so you have at your table some discussion questions to go through. Um, On the back is is meant for you. Go ahead and take that home as a way of being able to walk through that. After we get done with our discussion, I'll come back up and I'll pray us through a movement of of those six pieces. But until then... The online people. Oh, yeah. Uh, Those of you that are on Facebook will have the Zoom link up. And so go ahead and click that, and you can jump in with us. Until then, bless you all. Have fun at your discussion tables. I'll be up in a couple minutes to move us on.